Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Good evening. This is your host, Urban Lee of From Beer to the Bible. You can find information about the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can support Hampton Ministries at HamptonMinistries.org. We've got a power-packed show for you this evening, so we're going to get right into it going to anchor us in the word of God by saying a prayer. Father, we thank you for being such a good and gracious and merciful God. We ask that you bless all that hear this tonight and that you bring those who are suffering from drug and alcohol addiction to you because there we know there is healing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to welcome again our guest, Randy Grimes. Hi, Randy. How are you? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. man, we we look forward to hearing more of your wonderful testimony. And the reason we have Randy with us again is because of my co-host, Scott. Welcome, Scott. What's up, gentlemen? It's good to see you all. Oh, man, this, this is great because I think that Randy is reaching people and guys that, you know, sometimes my testimony and Scott's testimony uh, cannot always reach. And I think, Randy, you are going to you're reaching a segment of the people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol that so needs to hear a testimony like yours, because when I look over your life and I've, I've not only heard it, you tell it, but I've also read about it and I watched you growing up and to hear that you had everything that as a kid that I thought would make one happy and to hear you give your testimony and say, Hey, I had the so-called American dream and I still fell into addiction. So I want you to pick up where you left off last week talking about how you reached your bottom and, and how your wife made the call to, to help you get the help that you needed. Well, and, and, and where I left off last week was when I flew from Houston to Fort Lauderdale. That was September 22nd of 2009. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's when I finally put my hand up and realized that I could not do this on my own. And I put aside the guilt and the shame and the pride and the ego and what little pride and ego I had left at that point. Mm-hmm. I put that away. And I, and when I, when I pulled up to that treatment center and I, I was so sick that night and I was leaning up against the door of that car <clears throat> on the inside and somebody from the outside opened it and I just fell out. And, uh, I was laying on the, on the driveway of that treatment center and had about another 30 or 40 feet through the door. But I, I remember I crawled on all fours mm-hmm. from that car through that door. And, uh, you know, nobody helped me. And I'm glad they didn't. But mm-hmm. I remember hearing somebody say that night. I don't remember. I don't remember much about that night. But I remember hearing somebody say, Randy, in order to get this, you have to have the desperation of a drowning man. And the reason that has such an impact on me, not only that night, but today, yeah. is that my most vivid childhood memory uh, is of a is when I was eight years old and I was out at Tyler state park and I was on one of those, uh, two man paddle boats that mm-hmm. you used to get out and, and pad pump with your feet like a bicycle. Yeah. And somehow I fell off that thing and I got my feet caught up in something on the bottom of the lake. But I remember how desperate I was, how, how I fought and mm-hmm. clawed at the water and how I was screaming underwater, uh, and how desperate I was to get back to the surface. And, and when I heard that that night, I knew that I was in for the fight of my life. And, yeah. You know, I think I'm a pretty tough guy because I've been in a lot of battles, you know, not only in, at Baylor, but 
uh, 10 years in the NFL, I, you know, you, I've been in a lot of battles at, at, at offensive center and, and I've won most of those. You don't yeah. get to stay in the league that long unless you've won in most of them. Mm-hmm. But that was the hardest thing that I ever did was crawl through the door that night. But it was also the most rewarding. And, and I even say it's my greatest accomplishment because, well, I mean, even over the birth of my children, my marriage and all the football accolades. I mean, if yeah. I don't, crawl through that door that night, then all of that was for nothing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget that night. What's the, as you talk about that night, one of the things that we always hear is that moment of desperation, that gift of desperation. And as you got into rehab, what was kind of the defining moment where you said to yourself, I can do this. Because I know when I was there, I had doubts. They put the 12 steps up there, and I saw those 12 steps, and I said, oh, man, I might as well leave now. I can't not get through all of that. So what was your defining moment? Well, and, and I was in treatment for 90 days, but they, they, they spent the first 30 days detoxing me. My body was so toxic. Mm-hmm. I'd had so many seizures that really nobody wanted to take me, but this one place did, and they were going to take it really slow. So. I, but I remember exactly two weeks into that first 30 days, it was at 845 in the morning. It was on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. 15 minutes before the first group was going to start. And for some reason, and I don't know why, because I'm not a big writer, but I used to get up and sit at this picnic table and I would just write down what was going on around me, how I was feeling, uh, uh, just, just everything that was going on. And it made me feel better yeah. to write it all down. And, uh, I remember this particular morning, though, I was just sobbing uncontrollably. I could not get a grip on myself. And, and I can't imagine what a 290-pound man sitting in the middle of a, <laughs> of a rehab campus looks like sobbing uncontrollably, but I couldn't yeah. get a grip. I couldn't get myself under control because, you know, first of all, I couldn't get over the obsession to throw pills down every day. Yeah, I convinced myself that I needed it. And also... For the first time in 20 plus years, I was having to deal with life on life's terms and mm-hmm. all the, the, the huge wake of destruction that I left back in Houston, Texas with my with my family, my relationships, my, yeah. my jobs, my houses, my finances and my kids. And, you know, I had to deal with that on uh, clean and sober for yeah. the first time. And uh you know, something happened right then when all that was going on at that picnic table at 8.45 that morning on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It was like somebody came up behind me and draped a, draped a warm quilt around my shoulders. And, yeah. and I say quilt because I remember feeling weight and warmth on me. Mm-hmm. And I also had this, this overwhelming wave of, of confidence Mm-hmm. that I could do this. I mean, it just all hit me at one time. Yeah. And uh, not only that, but I knew that I had to make it all mean something. Mm-hmm. Everything that I had put everybody through all those years, I, I had to make it mean something. And that was kind of the birth of Athletes in Recovery right there at that table. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. I just knew I needed to make it mean something. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was my burning bush moment. That was my big spiritual awakening in recovery. 
was right there at that picnic table that morning. And, you know, the cool thing is that I still get to walk by that picnic table all the time (laughs) where all that happened. And that was almost 12 years ago. It's interesting. You talk about it like a quilt. I remember when I was in treatment at La Hacienda and there's a guy there, Clay still works there. who does all the the big book studies and, you know, walks you through all that stuff. There's a part in the big book talks about the, the quilt or the blanket that we wrapped ourselves in that it was threaded with, you know, fear and guilt and shame. And, and, uh, and I remember him talking about, you know, think of like a, a handmade, you know, quilt your grandmother would have made. My grandmother made quilts and mm-hmm. I, and that related to me real quick. He said, now you're about to begin a journey of taking all that thread out and you're going to sew it with grace and forgiveness and love and, and, and it'll be something comfortable now. And uh, that was kind of the point I thought it's kind of simple. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I, I, I've got to rebuild what I'm wrapped my life in. And it's not these fears that I've had, you know, that I found in going through the steps. You know, when I, when I, when I went through step four and five and realized these are the fears that have driven my life yeah, that I just wrapped like a blanket and never knew it until I sat down to face it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. I know, love and, that. And what a freedom it was to, to, to just dump all that at a cross and go, okay, God, this is yours. <laughs> yeah. God. Give me something different. Yeah. And, and he makes a message out of our messes. Uh, and that's where he's so wonderful. Randy, a part of recovery is, the actual recovery and where do you go to find help? A lot of people um, we love and we thank them, Alcoholics Anonymous. But I also believe the counseling and rehabilitation part is so important. Can you talk about the importance of rehabilitation to yourself, but also others? Because I know that's a part of your vocation and in all honesty, I believe it gets a bad rap. When you say to somebody, you need to go to rehab, everyone gets offended. It's it's like, it's a bad word. But in actuality, we're just being deceived by our enemy. It's a very good word. And then, honestly, I believe everybody needs rehab. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you and me both. <laughs> you better not tell them that. <laughs> I, I know, man. I, I know. I'll get in trouble. We'll get some calls, I'm sure. Uh, so can you talk about that a little bit for us? Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, uh, of professional treatment. It works, yeah. you know? And I know for me, uh, you know, I, I was, like I said, I was in there 90 days, first 30 days were detox, but that last 60 days, man, they really got me in there and they started peeling back the layers of that mm-hmm. onion. And yeah. we started dealing with Randy Grimes, not being a football player anymore. As you know, it's like for the first time in my life, I finally grieved, that death, you know, mm-hmm. of, of Randy Grimes, the football player. And, and I dealt with the, 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 the depression and the lack of identity and self-worth issues when I didn't have football anymore. And uh, it was a beautiful process. It was a lot of hard work. Yeah. Because like I said, I was really, that, that was my identity. And I didn't, I didn't even know how to contribute to the world or to be a father or a husband or an employee yeah. when I wasn't Randy Grimes, the football player. And that took a lot of work by some really, really good patient therapists mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that really dug down in there and, and brought that out in me. So, yeah. you know, that was the exciting part of it was rediscovering myself mm-hmm. was reinventing myself. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that 60 days and, and, and I'm not opposed to going back and seeing therapists anytime yeah, anything right. comes up because you need to be accountable yeah. and you need to, you need to talk things out with people who are, 
a lot smarter than me and, 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 and certainly in a, in a professional environment. So, you know, I, I love rehab. I think it works. Yeah. You know, I try to convince people all the time that, that it only works if you work it. You got to get there. You got to engage. You got to involve. You got to vomit up all this stuff yeah, yeah. while you're in there because <laughs> yeah. you know usually it's just thirty days. It's not enough time. Yeah. Um, but you know, insurance dictates all that. So we try to do the best we can in the in the short time that we have you, and, mm-hmm. and but it works. You know, and, and you can use it as a launching pad for continued therapy on the outside of of those uh, walls. So, you know, we yeah. just do the best we can, yeah. Yeah. you know, we try to meet people where they're at and, uh, I'm, I'm, and uh, just kind of guide them through the process. What's worked for us, what's worked for other people. And, uh, but it's up to them to engage and, 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 and to be a part of their recovery. I'm, I'm glad you hit on the link to stay. Cause I, I do think you're right. 30 days is short when you're, when you're coming in with your pants on fire, trying to yeah, put your life back together. You know, it, it's not going to happen in 30 days and you're going to get home and find out life still went on and, and you know, that wreckage is still there, but it is a launching point. And I think one of the keys to me having a solid foundation after I left Rio is I went straight into counseling when I got back, I straight to have AA meetings every day and I was in counseling and, and I did that for a long time because I still had work to do. And, uh, I always, uh, I always uh, feel for people when I see them come out going, I've got it. I'm good. I've been to rehab. I'm thinking, oh, man, you're just beginning. <laughs> you know, the, the, the miracle's still waiting to happen to really see it come to fruition. And, you know, and I always encourage people to get that professional help because I just think it's so critical, like you said. Yeah, and I went, I did 31 days, and then I did a year of outpatient. And my first year, I didn't even go back to my vocation. I went sometimes four or five AA meetings a day. Yeah. I think I went to them all over the city. I think everyone knew me because I was trying to get my foundation. I think you know this, Randy, but our listeners know I, I, I worked in the alcohol industry. So I was so obsessed with setting a foundation so that when I had to go back in that environment where I was going to be around alcohol 11 hours a day, that I, I had a, a firm foundation. Um, so I, too, agree that. The longer you can get your insurance to pay or you can stay in rehab, I think that is great. I also think no matter how long you do stay, going to AA and then getting you some outpatient counseling helps. I'm just a firm believer in counseling. I'm a firm believer. I have mentors. I have pastoral mentors that I have. All of these accountability partners because one of the things that can happen to you in recovery and has happened to me is that if I don't watch it, I can just not be drinking, meaning I could just be a sober guy, but all of my character defects show up like up. I'm <laughs> like I'm drinking. You know, you'll be like, are you drinking? I'm looking at me like, are you drinking again? Cause you acting like that guy, because those are the things, those defects that have to, you know, by the power of the Holy spirit and God's grace, he works he works those out of you through sanctification. So I have to be very careful to make sure I continue in my rhythm of recovery and my rhythm of living. So those character defects don't show themselves despite the fact that I'm so. Yeah. 
you know, when I got out of when when treatment was over and that door hit me in the rear end, Man. I was scared to death. And yep. They told me to go to sober living. I was forty nine years old, yeah, and they wanted me to move into a sober living house down the road with a bunch of twenty one year old kids out of the <laughs> northeast. Uh, and, and I was still, I, I was willing. Uh, I was willing to do it because I knew going back to Houston that soon would would not be good. Yeah. So I would come back, even though I wasn't a client anymore, I would come back on to the treatment center campus. They would let me, mm-hmm. they let me come back on and I would just, I would just hang around and like pick up cigarette butts and things like that. Just anything to be in my safe place around mm-hmm. my safe people where they could, where they could hear my voice and see my eyes every day. Mm-hmm. I needed that accountability. Yep for a long time. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful that they allowed me to do that. They didn't have to do that. And, um, but I needed that structure and that, that accountability. And I guess the real miracle here is that when treatment was over, I still had that gift of desperation. I was still surrendered, Mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully, you know, and that's part of my prayer every day, you know, God keep me broken, grateful and, humble and surrendered. I, I want to be that every day now. Well, you know, I, I uh, we did a show on gratitude recently. One of the things I do with sponsees and, and I've got a gentleman help me when I was in treatment that walked me through the steps. I get a gratitude list from him every day, you know, and it's not road. I think about what, what am I grateful for today? Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly my marriage, you know, with Amy Joe and, and recently getting remarried, but you know, having a marriage where crisis at the center of it, I've got restored relationship with kids and, and all that stuff can go away real quick. Yeah. But yes. as more time goes and those relationships get richer and richer, I I find it hard to think and, and never say never that I would be willing to lose all that over a bottle again. Yeah. Um, because I finally have peace. Even in the difficult moments of life, I still have peace and know Christ is going to get me through this. I can get through this with my family yeah. and I can get through that with the, the support system I have. It'll be okay. You know, this too shall pass. Yeah. You know, right. and to, to keep things in balance. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's awesome. I like that. You know, it's, uh, I think gratitude plays a huge, at least in my, in my recovery plays a huge part in that of, it just reminds me what I've got to lose if I, if I don't take it serious and keep at it. Yeah, I, I would concur. And I think for all of us, just addicts, non-addicts, those in recovery, those out of recovery, Showing appreciation and having appreciation for what our Heavenly Father does for us. The seen blessings and the unseen blessings. Randy, as we get ready to close the show, what I I want to transition and I want to give you the opportunity to share with the world what your life is like now. How God has renewed and restored you, your family and even the work that you're doing, your ministry. So, you know, talk about that. Well, and I knew there was a lot of guys out there that I'd played with and against who were struggling and suffering in silence, just like I was. And for whatever reason, pride, ego, guilt, shame, were not putting up their hand and asking for help. But usually it was because they didn't think there was a resource out there available to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after I worked on myself for a year, I started reaching out to these guys. I started uh, I helped the NFL form the Player Care Foundation, and mm-hmm. uh, which was the first organization uh, NFL sponsored for retired players. And, yeah. You know, we started reaching out to these guys and letting them know that there was resources, that there were other people like them that were struggling, uh, not only with substance abuse, but with mental health issues. And, 
and man, they came out of the woodwork, you know, yeah. and uh, over the last uh, 10 and a half, almost 11 years, you know, we've been able to help hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of former players, yeah. guys that I played with and against. And, you know, I'm grateful that, that God picked that opportunity to keep me connected to the game. Yeah. But it was so, uh, you know, we, we were doing so much good work that Major League Baseball got involved with it, hockey, NBA. You know, I get to work with former race car drivers and MMA fighters yeah. and, and golfers and tennis pros and, and jockeys, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because we all have the same issues. We're all wrapped up in that uniform that we put on. You know, we all have chronic pain issues. We all self-medicate. Yeah. We all have that warrior mentality where we we, uh, we 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 pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, and we get back in the huddle. You know that big boys don't cry mentality. Right, right. And um, you know that's the way we were raised because that's the way our fathers were raised. But I'm grateful that I'm I'm able to use my platform and and who would have ever thought that everything that I went through in the league and even that 20 years in my retirement yeah. was just preparing me for what I do now because, man, this, this stuff is really life and death. Yes, you know, and that's- this is not, this is not playing around stuff. And we're in a pandemic within a pandemic. And, and, uh, you know, the, the number one killer of people under 50, uh, this is serious stuff, and it's just getting worse because of everything that's going on in this country right now. Yeah, and thank you for that. We're going to have more with Randy on the other side. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word, 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal, and the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back. This is your host, Irvin Lee from Beer to the Bible. I got my co-host Scott with me, and we're still talking to Randy Grimes. Randy, let everyone know where they can reach you. You can find me. Uh, you know, I say it all the time. If you can't find me, you're not looking <laughs> hard enough. And, and uh, you can go to my website, which is proathletesinrecovery.org. And, uh, you know, I've recently finished a book called Off Center that will be coming out late summer. I'm excited about it. My family participated in it. It was a great healing process for the Grimes. But you can pre-order that book by going to the website, proathletesinrecovery.org. You can find me on Facebook. You can uh, find me on Instagram. You can Twitter at SoberCenter60. and uh, uh, RandyGrimesSpeaks.com. 
uh, I just, my message is it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not ask for help. There is hope out there. There's resources, families heal, marriages heal, uh, relationships are, are restored. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about recovery and I'm trying to tear down just like all you guys are doing. And what we're all trying to do is tear down that guilt and shame that's associated with, with having substance abuse or mental health issues and, uh, break down those, those, those walls of stigma. Yes. Well, Randy, we are. And have been blessed by your presence, your testimony. Thank you for taking the time to share it with us on our platform. And may God always richly bless you, your ministry, and your work. Thank you very much. Thank you for this opportunity. And I want to leave you today with the love. I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus. And the hope is found in the Lord our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.